What are you grateful for? This is one of those questions that we are familiar with this time in this, at this time of the year. And typically when people ask this question, they're thinking about things that you're grateful for, for food, for clothing, for shelter, family, friends, happiness, health. But the question could also be taken in a different sense. It could mean, what is the purpose of gratitude? What are we supposed to do with our blessings? In the Christian life, gratitude is not primarily about making us feel good. It is for giving God the praise he deserves and for motivating acts of mercy toward others. Gratitude is absolutely central to the Christian faith because it is, more than anything else, that which reorients our lives towards the love of God and love of neighbor. So what does this story of the ten lepers teach us about gratitude? Well, it starts with a group of outsiders, a group of those in society who are dependent on the mercy of others. And by the time we get to the end of the story, we're supposed to see that we are all in that position. Maybe we don't have leprosy, we don't have the skin disease, but we're all, in a sense, dependent on the mercy of God. We're dependent on um, God to, to act on our, beha- on our behalf freely and out of grace. Well, these group of le- lepers approach Jesus, but they keep their distance. Um, we can probably fami- if, uh, feel a little uh, similarity in our current situation. Back in, in the ancient world, lepers were considered unclean, and so they avoided close contact with people because they didn't want to contaminate anyone else. Um, in fact, they were supposed to keep a 50-pace dif- distance between themselves and others. So six feet of social distance should be pretty easy for most of us. Um, Jesus' response to this plea of mercy is, is strange at first. Um, you think of the many ways when people approach Jesus for healing, sometimes he'll call them closer, he'll ask what they want, he'll lay his hands on them, sometimes he'll just declare, you know, be clean or be healed. And he doesn't do any of those things. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. And when he says that, they're still completely leprous. Their, their skin disease is still there. So why does he say this? What's going on? Well, leprosy was a skin disease that was, was so considered so, so uh, serious that um, there needed to be some sort of verification that you had actually been cleansed or, cl- or cured of the disease. So the priests got the, the lucky task of examining people who, who claimed to have been clean, cleansed from leprosy and declaring, yes, verifying, yes, they've actually been cleansed or no, they haven't. So Jesus is telling them, even though their body was still leprous, to go to the priest as if you had already been cleaned, cleansed and have the priest declare you clean. So what's going on there is Jesus is basically testing their faith. He's testing their obedience to his command. He's telling them, even though you don't look like you're cleansed, go to the priest as if you were to see if they'll believe his word. That's what faith is, believing the promises of God if they'll believe his word and obey. And we're told that all 10 do. Even though they were still leprous, they all go on their way to the priests to declare them, to, to have him verify their, their cleansing. Um, this action of acting in advance of something, there's a fancy word for it, it's called acting proleptically on the basis of a reality that's not yet actual. And the Christian life is filled with this. It's all about acting on the basis of the promises that God has given us, 
which many of which have not come to full fruition yet. Um, if you think of even the Lord's Prayer, we pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And we live our lives dependent on God to provide. And so we, we're sort of doing that same sort of thing. We're living on the basis of, of that reality, even though it hasn't come to pass yet. Well, all 10 go, and on their way, probably just a, you know, I would imagine a few, few hundred yards away, on their way, they're cleansed. So far, the story is just a straight healing story, many of these in the New Testament. But the focus of this story is on what happens next. Jesus heals the 10. One of them turns back, praising God, prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. All were, all were healed, but the one turned back and came to Jesus. And Jesus, you can tell, expected all 10 to come running back because he says, the other nine, where are they, right? Where, where they, they should be back here with this other person. Well, the focus of the one who came back is praise and thanksgiving, gratitude, and he thanked God. He came to Jesus thanking him for the, as the source of his healing. And this is true for us as well. We have, when we receive blessings from God's hands, we have the opportunity to either take them and go, take them as a you know, to-go order on the way out, or we can take them back to the source in gratitude and thanks. God's, mess, God's blessings are meant to bring us back to the feet of Jesus in gratitude, and then not to stay there, but that gratitude is really the best motivation we have for acts of service to our neighbor. Think about it. If you've received from God's hand all the blessings, more incalculable than you can imagine, how easy it should be for us to pass on in turn a little bit of that. We've been forgiven so much, we pass on a little forgiveness. We've been comforted in so many ways, we pass on a little comfort. We've received mercy, we pass on mercy. So it's a great motivation for love of neighbor. And it's also central to the Christian faith in another way. That word that Jesus, that, that, uh, this is, that's used to describe the leper who comes and thanks God is the word that we get um, the word Eucharist from. Um, the whole worship of the church is based around um, thanksgiving. Eucharist just means thanksgiving. So every time we come to celebrate, we're following in the footsteps of that leper who comes back in gratitude and offers all of the blessings back to God in thanks. And then there is just one last little twist to the story because you might have caught it at, at the end of this healing, after it says he thanked God, it says, and he was a Samaritan. And that's supposed to sort of smack with scandal. It doesn't probably sound that way to us, but Jews and Samaritans were enemies. Um, in fact, the idea that a Jewish leper and a Samaritan leper could be going together just shows how alienated lepers were in society. But this, the one who came back was a Samaritan, and Jesus has a propensity for making outsiders the models of faith. Even just Samaritans, you think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan woman at the well, this, in this case, the Samaritan leper, they're constantly brought forward as examples of faith to Israel, to the people who basically should have known better, is what he's saying. You were supposed to be a light to the nations, and the nations are showing you how to respond to the grace of God. Well, Jesus says, was, did no one show up except this foreigner? And that word foreigner appears only once in the New Testament, but it does appear one other place that's very significant, I think. Um, you remember in, in Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem 
had a bunch of walls separating the different, the inner court from the outer court, from the court of women, from the court of Gentiles. And the, most, the outermost court that basically blocked off the temple from Gentiles was called the court of the Gentiles. And on that wall, in different places, there was a sign that read, no foreigner, using that same word, is permitted inside the partition and wall around the temple. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. So it was a very strong warning that this was this sanctuary, this place where we, where we meet, come into the presence of God is, is for, for Israel only. It's for no outsiders. And what we see in the New Testament in this story and in many other stories is Jesus described as the new temple, the new place where we come into God's presence. And this new temple is fulfilling that ancient vocation of Israel to be a light to the nations. So the Samaritans, those outsiders, actually come back to the feet of Jesus and we see a picture of heaven and earth meeting, of, of all the nations being drawn into the fellowship of God. This suggests a deeper meaning to the healing that the Samaritan receives. Sure, he was cleansed from his leprosy, but when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, that's one way to translate it. It's the same word that Jesus used when he says, your faith has saved you. It's the same exact word. And there is a sense in which all 10 of them received healing at God's hands, but the Samaritan really encountered God in his healing. He encountered God in his blessing. And this is the challenge for all of us, not just to receive blessing at God's hands, but to encounter God in and through them, and then, again, bring that back to God in gratitude that motivates us in active living. So what are you grateful for? In the life of faith, blessings can lead us away from salvation when we're only trying to get something from God and not trying to get God in this or that blessing. I love the prayer of general thanksgiving at the close of the daily office, which at one point says, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. As we think about the many blessings we enjoy, May we see in them the hand of our Heavenly Father and be drawn back to the feet of Jesus in gratitude and praise.